0: To Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast Where we bring you the word of God Wherever you are We pray that you be blessed by God's word this week the survey was asked about americans if you were to be able to ask god one question uh, what would that be uh? what would that be right so let me get try to see yeah Turn it on first. okay uh, what do you think that question will be uh? and uh, the number one question would be why is there so much pain and suffering in this world Uh, We we can see the examples of suffering in this world. We have the Ukraine war, and recently against the Hamas-Israel war. Uh, Over the last year, uh, we look into flooding in many Asian countries. People were displaced. Millions of people are suffering. Uh, And uh, crime, right? Human trafficking. Uh, At a personal level, you may ask, why why do I have such a terrible boss? Or maybe you can ask, why do I need to suffer such a crippling disease? And just this week, we saw in the newspaper, Joseph Chin, uh, who is uh, the national director for women in Singapore, uh, passed away in a tragic car accident, uh, leaving behind a wife and two daughters. So why is that pain and suffering? The line of reasoning you know, for those against God would be this. Huh? And the idea is this. If God is all good, right, uh, He would destroy evil. If God is all powerful, He could destroy evil. And yet we see evil around. Evil is not destroyed, thus there is no God. Now, hold that thought for a moment because we will come back to this idea again at the end of the sermon. Uh, Today we want to look into a character study. And the idea is this, we want to learn from Joab's life. Insight for us today, how can we navigate life challenges? Uh, you may ask, who is Joab? Joab is one of, uh, in fact, the key generals of David's army. Uh, the book of 2 Samuel is interesting. If you were to look into 2 Samuel, it has a lot of stories. We look, we look into the victories of David, his coronation as king, And then subsequently, of course, his sin with Bathsheba, his failure as a father, and then later on his son, Absalom, uh, tried to usurp the throne. In fact, he did, and David in his later age has to flee again, right? He he fled the kingdom, and uh, then we see how he gave instruction to his general, uh, Joab, to be kind to Absalom. And in chapter 18, 19, then we see how uh, Joab actually killed Absalom. And this was a story that comes about later on in chapter 19. Right? He says then in chapter 19 of 2 Samuel, verse 5 onward Then Joab went into the house of the king and said, Today you have humiliated all your men who just saved your life and the life of your daughters and sons and daughters, and the life of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you, and you hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you have been pleased as Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men, I swear. By the law that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth till now. So the king got up and took his seat at the gateway. When the men were told that the king is sitting at the gateway, they all came before him. Meanwhile, the Israelites who have lost the battle, they all fled to their home. Right. Another uh, chapter then, we look into the next chapter. This was David' instruction to a messenger to Amasa. Who is Amasa? Amasa is the general of Absalom. Uh, of right? Right, so Absalom has been killed. And now this is David's message to Amasa. It says, Are you not my own flesh and blood? May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if you are not the commander of my army for life in place of Joab. And then later on, the next chapter was interesting because uh, David sent Amasa away, right? And then this is where Joab comes to him. He says, when they were at the great rock in Gibeon, Amasa came to meet them. Joab was wearing his military tunic and strapped over it at his waist was a belt with a dagger in its shield. As he stepped forward, it dropped out of his shield. Joab says to Amasa, How are you, my brother? Then Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. Amasa was not on his guard against the dagger in Joab's left hand, right? And then Joab plunged it into his belly and his intestines spilled out onto the ground. Without being stabbed again, Amasa died. Then Joab and his brother Abishwai pursued Sheba's sons of Bikri, Right. Let's pray huh? you know, as you look into this story. Father, we just thank you again for this passage of Scripture. As we study the life of Joab, may it help us to gain us insight for our life today. How do we navigate life challenges? May it help us to provide lessons on how we serve, our, also our ambition, as well as what do we do when there is injustice. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Right. Right, so as you read this story, you may be passed, you know, as you look at the life of Joab, who was Joab? Who was Joab? Right, so Joab was very interesting character. Uh, from first chronicle chapter two, verse thirteen, uh, it listed that the, the sons of Jesse, right? The firstborn was Eliab, and then the seventh, the youngest son was David. Interestingly, in this passage, he also listed the sisters of David. Their sisters were Jeruiah and uh, Abigail. Zariah's three sons were Abashai, Joab, and Asahi. Uh, uh, Asahi, uh, not Asahi, the beer, right? <laughs> then Abigail was the mother of Amasa, whose father was Jeter, the Ismere-like. Right, so you can see they're all related. If this is the case, then uh, Joab is David's nephew, right? David's nephew by the sister, right? And, and he was also the military commander over the entire army of Israel. Uh, he was very skilled and brave in battle. He helped secure multiple victories for uh, David. Uh, he is a very complex and multifaceted character because we look into the positive characteristics and there's also various negative characteristics, that's what we have read earlier. He was involved in the death right of Abner, who is Abner. Abner is the uh, commander of Saul's army who then defected to David and uh, Joab killed him. Absalom, right, which is the son of David. And Joab killed him. Amasa as well, right? The general under Absalom. Joab killed him. Right, so he has unchecked ambition. And throughout the reign of 40 years of David, there is an uneasy tension between uh, King David and Joab. Uh, So we want to learn various uh, lessons today from the life of Joab. Uh, Number one is about service, right? So you look at Joab's life. It's interesting because... uh, in terms service, he committed wholeheartedly, right? In fact, Joab deserved much more credit in establishing David's reign than what has been traditionally ascribed to him. Uh, when does he come to David, right? So right from the beginning, we read that uh, when David was still in the cave hiding from King Saul, his clan man, came to him, right? And then that was where they had 400 uh, warriors or fighting men. So right from the beginning, he joined the rank of David, and Joab quickly proved himself to be a formidable warrior, and he rose to become David's trusted commander, right? Uh, If you think about Joab, he is the right-hand man, or sometimes even the hatchet man of King David, uh, he understands uh, David's heart. For example, if you look into Second uh, Samuel chapter fourteen, when Absalom was in exile, it was Joab who devised a scheme to get David to invite Absalom back into the palace. Uh, when uh, in Second Samuel chapter eleven, when David was lasting after Bathsheba. Uh, David devised a scheme to get Uriah the Hittite killed. And who was the one who carried out, let's say, his evil scheme? It was Joab, the commander of the army. Because David's instruction was, put Uriah out in the front line, and where the fighting was the most serious, quickly withdraw the man, and Uriah will be killed. Right. So he was very influential. He helps David in the conquest of the enemy and at the same time to carry out all his evil schemes as well. Uh, he was quite well known for his talent because if you look into the book of Samuel, uh, he had led successful campaigns on behalf of David. Jerusalem, the Ammonites, the Edianites, and then the, uh, let's say, uh, the Absalom uh, episode as well. Right? So all this victory helped to establish Jerusalem as the capital, and then it secure, of course, the eastern border of Israel. Uh, look at Joab. Joab was actually committed to the nation. right? That was his wholehearted commi- commitment. And that's where, when we read, he understood the time and the season. If David were not out to encourage the men, everybody would have left. The kingdom of Israel would have been destroyed. So, uh, we can see, that he was very decisive in emulating political threat. He helps to maintain political sta- stability. He contributes to Israel's success under David. Right? So Joab, interesting character, in terms of commitment, in terms of service, right? Service, what do we say? Commit wholeheartedly. Right? And these are some quotations. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself. In the service of others? Eh? Famous quotation by Mahatma Gandhi. right? And then another quotation, oops. Uh, Robert Ingersoll, "We rise by lifting others." Eh? How true is it? And of course, from our Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest among you will be your servant. Service, commit wholeheartedly. I think this is not new because all of us have been in church long enough. We've been always been encouraged to serve, huh? To serve. Uh, to do the best we can uh, to help the church advance its vision and its mission. Uh, my own salvation stories, right? I, I I came to know the Lord when I was 23 years old as a student in NUS. Uh, I had a spiritual experience, and then I decided that okay. Uh, this was the most fantastic things that happened in my life. I decided to serve in the mission field. So that was me. If you can look at the date, uh, 1999, uh, 15 December, a picture taken in, in a province. I will not mention the place. Right? Uh, 24 years ago, so I started as a missionary in China in 1998 uh, to 2002 years. Two years. Huh? Uh, it was interesting because that, that picture there, uh, in that province was winter. Huh? I remember uh, doing the training over the whole week. It was so cold. Huh? It was like z- about zero degree and there's no heating elements. The house we are staying in is made of mud. Inside is colder than outside. So while we were teaching preaching in the night, in order to keep yourself warm, what do you need to do? Huh? They already given us their best, the local. Huh? They give us the best. At least we have a bed, right? They give us the, the thickest blanket. Right? There's no electric blanket then. And uh, every half an hour, I'll wake up to shiver, uh, shiver for half an hour, to get the warm, then in order to sleep the next day. Right? So, uh, so I started off, you know, when God comes into, into your life, you have to be transformed. Agree with me? Yes? When God comes into your life, you have to be transformed. And that was why I was transformed. You know, I started to be involved in the church as an usher, doing very simple mundane things. Uh, then I decided, okay, you know, they want to put up an Easter performance. I auditioned for choir. And guess what? <laughs> I don't qualify. <laughs> uh, you know, imagine you are a 3 months old Christian and you say, okay, I'll serve this. And the church says, sorry, uh, you're not qualified. Uh. How, how does that feel? Uh, it's okay uh, for me. It was okay. Uh. Never mind, I cannot sing. I'll be uh, the actor. So the Easter production... I, I played a Roman soldiers, uh, so I enjoy that time weeping, uh, so-called the character of Jesus. <laughs> right. Uh, then I went on to serve in Mission China, uh, 98 to 2000. And uh, it was a tremendous time. Uh. We always say that when we go inside China at those days, we see signs and wonder, uh. Of course, we also have a church in Hong Kong that we run on a weekly basis. And when we get back to Hong Kong, of course, affluent society then, we sigh and we wonder uh, why it doesn't happen. Right. Uh, Nice, yeah. Uh, And and interestingly, I was just back in Hong Kong uh, for business just two weeks ago, I went back to the same place that we stayed. You know, at one place, at one time, there were about 20 Singaporean missionaries staying around the same compound, and uh, uh, brought back a lot of memories because these were exciting years. These were foundational years in which I built out, let's say, my Christian faith. I see, let's say, the sacrifices of the Chinese believer. On the other second picture, you can see uh, there's a guy over there. It's a little bit small. I hope you can see it, right? Uh, His name is Brother Ho Seng, Singaporean as well. He's been in China, Hong Kong for 30 years. Uh, This year he's 60. And uh, of course, when I met up with him, uh, he's now uh, staying in the same room that I used to stay. We've been renting the same place uh, for the last 20 over years. Uh, Served wholeheartedly in China. He's now running the Hong Kong church and of course also a lot of work that we have or they have uh, inside China. Uh, And I saw that, you know, in those days when we were moving in and out of China, uh, traveling was tough, right? We're going from village to village. You can imagine going on hours on a bus journey. At the end, uh, your whole uh, uh, hair is covered with a thick layer of mud. Uh, when you see mosquito that big, the size. Uh, interesting, uh, So, we have traveled to very poor provinces. We also have traveled to uh, major cities. So, for me, two years, I traveled over 12 to 13 provinces. Brah Ho Singh, right? At least uh, all the 30 provinces. he has been to every place in China. And, of course, when I see him this time, he still has the same fire, the same zeal in serving the Lord, still running the church, let's say in Hong Kong. And yet, I see also a slowing down. Uh, a slowing down. Why? Uh, because he is also having some health issue. He's not able to walk as well. He has a knee problem. And so I see, you know, limping, limping, and still yet serving. May not be able to do what he used to do, running in various provinces, and still serving wholeheartedly with great dedication. Uh, During the early years, uh, he was there, you know, let's say from his late 20s, early 30s to now sixty, There were so many... Uh, people who wanted him to get married. By the way, he's single, right? So you know we have uh, workers in China uh, proposing marriage, and he turned it all down. So for him, he felt that this was God's calling. You know, I'm not saying that all of us should be single. In fact, all of us should be married. That's our stand. And uh, because of his wholehearted dedication, right? And then he gave up this part of his life in order to serve God wholeheartedly. So uh, service. Service, commit wholeheartedly. Uh, whatever there is something that we want to do or to serve somebody, to lift somebody up, you know, do it the best to our ability. Uh, what could be another lesson when we look into the life of Joab? And this is whereby we want to talk about ambition. Because Joab has great service and talents and ability there's also one part of his life that was challenging, and that was his ambition. So when it comes to ambition, examine periodically. Examine periodically. So Joab's actions also demonstrated the the destructive power of unchecked ambition. His desire for power led him to commit acts of violence he disregarded David's authority. He took independent actions. He was ruthless, huh? He was ruthless, uh, and he was aggress- aggressive. He, he, he you know, it, it put him in conflict with David all the time. right? David well, his hand was stained with the blood, right? In fact, he says that, God, I'm not the one to build your temple, my son. Solomon will build it because I, my hands are stained with blood. Uh, who was also the one who helped him carry all this? Conquest, ah, it was also Joab, right? So Joab, Joab himself, uh, uh, uh actions, his misuse of authority is also a, uh, a cautionary tear, uh, for, for us to talk about what happens when there's unbridled ambition, right? So when I talk about unchecked ambition, uh, he was ruthless, huh? uh, he killed people against the wishes of David. So who did he kill apart from, let's say, Uriah? We also mentioned, uh, uh, he killed, uh, for example, Abner. Abner. uh, So Abner uh, was killed. So what happened was that Abner, uh, after the defeat of Saul, Abner was Saul's general. He defected to David and David wanted to keep him. uh, And as well, uh, Abner... Killed him. All right. So you can read that in 2 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, we learn also about Absalom, which is the son of David. David says, please be kind to this young man. Don't lay a uh, finger on him. You know, let him survive or let, uh, uh, spare his life. And yet, uh, Joab sees this as a political threat. kill him with three javelins. And then, uh, Amasa, Amasa right, we read just now, the former commander of Absalom forces, whom David intend to make commander of the army in place of Joab. So what did Joab do? Kill him as well. Kill him as well. Interestingly, if you think about Absalom and Amasa, they are Joab's cousins. Huh? How many of us have been killed by <laughs> Noah? Uh, we have not. Uh. Or oh, how many of us have killed a relative, Noah? Uh. <laughs> right. So you can imagine you're killing your own relative. They are cousins. Uh, They're all related by blood. Right? So uh, what I'm saying is that, yes, in our work, in our life, we need to have ambition. Because ambition is ultimately right, uh, the path to progress. Right? It's a path to progress. Without ambition, there's no motivation. There's no push of boundaries. There's no innovations. Right? Uh, and yet we understand the purpose of life is not to be happy. Right? For this quotation by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, it is to be useful, it is to be honourable, to be compassionate, uh, to have it make some difference that you have to live and live well. Right. right. And of course, we know from the book of Proverbs, commit your work to the Lord, your plan will be established. I'm not saying that we should not have ambition. In fact, it's good to have ambition, especially ambition for the Lord. Yet at the same time, Whatever that we do, let's say in our workplaces, we have to check our ambition periodically, because unbridled ambition can lead to our destruction. Right? Uh, what could be a model that we can live for ourselves? You know, for myself, you know, if you look into let's say personality or behavioural profile, DISC. How, some, how many of us have heard of DISC? Right. So for me, I'm quite uh, direct. Uh, I get things done, you know, I have a dominant traits in my characteristic. So, yeah, I want to get things done. I want to achieve things. Uh, and, and maybe we can look into uh, certain ideas about life, right? Uh, so, I've changed my job in and out for ministry seven times over 28 years. I reach a place whereby I felt stagnated, then it's time to move on to something, right? So I'm always looking for challenge. Uh, And and this could be a model for us to think about today when we look into ambition and also uh, what can we do. Firstly, we look into what can we do, our capabilities. What are we good at? What are my talents? What are my inclination? And then the other part is that what do I want to do? Right? So, what can I do? Are uh, my capabilities? What do I want to do? My passion. What energizes me? Uh, what are my interests? What are my desires? And then the last part is, what should I do? Which is, all of us have a moral compass. What are my values? What has God called me to do? Right? So, if you think about this, if you look into capabilities and moral compass, right? Uh, what I can do, and what I should do, but this is not what I want to do. What do you call that But What do you call that? What I, what I can do, have the ability to do it. What I should do, yeah, this is what I should do. right? My moral compass telling me what I should do. And I don't want to do it. Right, we call that obligations uh, or duties, right? right? So for example, uh, my son, uh, 16 years old this year, uh, still he's... Obligated, right? His obligation is to get up every day by himself and he still can't do it. Huh? Obligation. Every morning we have to say, please wake up, please wake up, or please go at bathe, or please brush your teeth, right? In the night. Right, obligations. We don't want to do it. Can we do it? Yes. Should we do it? Yes. Do we want to do it? No. Right? We want to lace around, we want to procrastinate. Uh, obligations. Uh, you can think about obligations that you have uh, in your workplaces. Obligations you have, let's say if you are a student, what kind of obligations do you have? Right? These are obligations. What I can do, what I should do, I don't want to do it. What about the other one? What I want to do, what I should do, but what I cannot do. I don't have the capabilities. What do you call that? What do you call that? What do you think? When you are in that stage, this is what we call frustrations. (laughs) Frustration, because you want to do it, you should do it, but you cannot do it. You don't have the ability. Uh, you know, for, for example, uh, you know, maybe young people here, you like to play a uh, computer game. Right? You want to kill the opponent, uh, and yet your skill is not good enough, you can't do it. Frustration. Uh? So I see this a lot in my son, playing computer game, always screaming in front of the uh, monitor. Right? Uh, what about watching football? Right? Sitting down watching football, uh, just recently, I watched the football match Singapore versus Korea. Korea. Why is it the score? 5, Five 0. Uh, when you're watching it, well, how do you feel? Frustration. Uh? Unless, of course, you support Korea, that's different. Uh? It's elite. E- e- you'll be elated, uh, right? <laughs> Frustration. You can't do it. Uh, Job wise as well. Uh? What I should do, what I can do, maybe I don't have the capability, Frustration, right? Then you feel demotivated. What about this one? Uh? What I should do? what I, sorry, what I can do, what I want to do, <laughs> and this is what I should, you know, <laughs> you know, I should do, right? What I, what I can do, what I want to do, but this is not what I should do, right? Not what you should do. What do you call it? What I can do, right? I can do it. I have the ability to perform it, the task. This is my desire. I want to do it. Actually, this is my moral compass. Tell me, I should not do it. <laughs> we call this a sin, uh? <laughs> right? Sin, sin, easy, yeah, uh? sin, yeah. Because uh, sin usually, uh, well, this is not what I should do. And of course, in the meter, uh, we call it calling, uh? calling. You are all aligned. What I can do, what I want to do, and what I should do, then we are in the flow. We are in the area whereby we are flourishing, we are growing, we are learning, we are at our optimum, we are at our sweet spot. Right. So if you think about life, now I'm in my 50s, interesting reflection, huh? When you are young, when right, when you were young, in your teens, what is your predominant preoccupation? Which sector? Which circle? It's about your capabilities, huh? What I can do. Like when I was young, in junior college, uh, I went up mountain climbing, a solo trip, Mount Ophir, and different place. Camping inside, uh, very funny things. Huh? You know, we do, that time, even Pulau Tukong was open for camping. Uh, right, so just to try out my capabilities by going and uh, on my own solo trip in my teens. Looking at my capabilities, what I can do. Uh, then when you are in your, late say, 20s, 30s, uh, and even going uh, uh, into your early 40s, Uh, What is your predominant preoccupation? What I want to do. What I want to do, right? What I want to do. My passion, my desire. uh, Where I feel, this is, let's say, uh, um, my ambition, right? Uh, What I want to do. And later on, when you reach your 50s, and some of us maybe also getting older than 50s, what is your predominant preoccupation? What I should do. Because you also know that time, you may not have a lot of time left in, you know, here on earth, right? Um, there are more days gone, there are more days ahead. Then what should I do? What has God called me to do? What I should do? An interesting reflection as well. Huh? So uh, what happens if your bosses are bad to you? Right? So uh, different generation handle this differently. Uh, baby boomers, you know, people in our 60s, baby boomers, if your bosses are bad to you during those early years, you, you know, I will use the term, I suck it up, right? You just maintain the job, you don't quit. Because it's already a privilege to have a job. Whereas you compare to a lot of people that have no job, whereby Singapore was just developing in their 70s, in the 60s, well, it's a blessing to have a job. Even your bosses were bad to you, you stay on your job. What about the Gen X, huh? which is people like me, 40s, 50s, Gen X? Uh, when your bosses are bad to you, what do you do? What do you do? Do you quit? No, 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 no. no. You don't quit immediately. Huh? You better find a job first, then you quit, right? Because predicate, right? I have to ensure stability. I have to ensure that my next, I have, I have uh, the next job to provide for me, right? Because you're on your own. What about Gen Y, people in their 20s, 30s? Uh, okay, maybe at 30s, 40s, huh? early uh, 30s, uh, Gen Y, do they quit if your bosses are bad? Do they find a job? No, they don't need to find a job. Huh? They can just quit. Why? Why do you think they can just quit? Because their Gen X father or Gen, uh, baby boomer father will provide for them. Right? Right? How many of us who have uh, older ones who have children at home? Ah, uh, Okay, I'm not happy with my boss. I just, I just resign. It's okay. Because why? My parents provide for me. What about the next generation, uh, the Millennials, the uh, Gen, uh, uh, Gen Z? Uh, right? So it's in getting into the workforce now. Uh, the Millennials. Bosses are bad. Oh, sorry, uh. if you're handling the Millennials, you cannot be bad to the Gen Z. Uh. <laughs> of course, uh, they, they have everything. Right? So what are they looking for? They are not looking at substance, they are looking for purpose. Right. So whatever job, if you are leading organization, leading people, then you have to think, for younger people, how can I help him or her to understand the purpose of what he or she is doing every day? Right? So how do you lead people? With different generation, different methodology, different ways of looking at ambition. Huh? So, uh, so interesting diagram. So for us to think about what I can do, what I should do, what I want to do, uh, where are you right now? Which part of the Venn diagram do you fall under? Uh? Hopefully, it's all under the calling. Uh? So this is just a simplified uh, diagram. There's another one that you can find from the internet, uh, which is Iki So you can Google for this and this has another dimension because the diagram that was mentioned doesn't have that idea of are you paid for it? Uh? So you still need to survive in this world. So it's like Iki the Japanese ideas for the reason of being. Uh, in the middle is the Ikigaya, whereby we feel the most uh, satisfied and alive. Right? Uh, so you can look into this. I won't explain this diagram. You can Google. You can read on that. Right? So when it comes to ambition, we need to check ourselves periodically because unbridled ambition, ruthlessness to climb, climb the corporate ladder in the end will lead to our downfall. Right? So we have to be aware of that. And thirdly, what are we looking at? Injustice. Injustice. When it comes to injustice, we have to trust God patiently. Have you encountered injustice before? Maybe in a workplace? Or family? Or maybe a colleague who did nothing and yet get all the credits, uh, right? uh, get promoted? Uh, So we look into the life of Joab Seemingly, you know, he escaped justice. Because for 40 years, despite all his wrongdoing, he 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 murdered people. Right? He was powerful, and yet he continued on. Huh? Right, so we can see this un, uh, easy tension with David. Huh? So this is in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 3, earlier. You see. Uh, When David heard this about the killing of Abner, he says, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner. May his blood fall on the head of Joab and of his own family. May Joab's family never be with somebody who is running sore or leprosy or who leans on a crutch or who falls by the sword or who lacks food. Wow, he's cursing Joab. You can see David cursing Joab. And, and and he said this, uh, and today, although I'm anointed the king, I am weak, and this son of Zeruiah are too strong for me, uh. May the Lord repay the evil doer according to his evil deeds. So you can see that while David was the king, the one who holds the political or military power was Joab. And you can see this uneasy tension that Joab simply got away with whatever he wants, wanted to do, right? Right, we know that Joab was over the entire Israel army. Uh, remember this: justice delayed is not justice denied. Right, we need to trust God's timing. We need to recognize that ultimately, uh, justice, God will 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 make out His justice. Right. Second Kings, we look about that, and uh, later on, when we look into the First Kings chapter two, uh, the, the the book of Kings, uh, one of Joab, sorry, one of David's son, Adonijah, right? The I Adonijah proclaimed himself as king, right? And at the same time, the H very old David proclaimed uh, Solomon as king. So the, again, there was let's say. Uh, Turmoil in the kingdom, and then this was where Joab's life subsequently he was killed because he aligned himself with Adonijah. Right, so this was where later on Solomon took over the throne and was pursuing uh, Joab. Joab hold on to the horns of the altar altar in in 1st Kings chapter 2, and this was where then the king commanded, right, the king commanded. Which is now Solomon commanded his army uh, general uh, Benia uh, to strike Joab down, and Joab then was killed. Right. So in this case, we can see that ultimately there is God, or there was God's judgment. There was retribution for Joab. Uh, yet at the same time, you know, we live life here long enough, and also we read the Bible long enough to say yes. Sometimes there are times whereby justice is not uh, carried out, right? So, for example, in the book of Hebrew, uh, you read the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, the the heroes of faith, and they listed all the various uh, Bible characters who by faith, right? By faith they did this and they did that. And towards the end, verse 39 and verse 40, he says that there are also those people who were commanded for their faith, yet none of them receive what has been promised. Well, whenever I read that verse, it's quite sad uh, in a sense. In a sense, yes, by faith, yet at the same time, we may not reap, right? The benefits of our faith is possible. Yeah, we must always remember one thing as we mentioned. Justice delayed is not justice denied, right? Because the Bible also says subsequently in verse 40, because... What has been promised to them, right? God has planned for something better. Something better. Yes, in this life, we may not totally understand everything. For example, let's say uh, a missionary, a YWAM director who was killed in a car accident. We may not understand. uh? Uh, What do we need to do? Uh, The book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Do not be wary in doing good. For in due time, due time, we will reap if we do not give up. I share this story about my good friend. I was there in April to visit him. Pastor Daya Ratna of Sri Lanka. And you can see that during, let's say, the uh, uh, 2004 tsunami in Sri Lanka, whereby many people died, there were a lot of orphans. And so he started an orphanage, 100 over children. And he runs that for more than 10 years. It was a great ministry, ministering to various people. Uh, I can't remember the year. I think from 2016, he was accused by the local authority and also by another religious group of sexual abuse of his children, all these children. And this came on to national news. Can imagine that now Pastor Daya is famous throughout Sri Lanka? At one point, he says he can't go out without people recognizing him, uh, and his life was really in danger. Uh, the court case, or rather the investigation, went from 2016 all the way to 2020, 2021, uh, in the sense or, you know, there wasn't an official chart to him. Uh, what was troubling was this, huh? even some of his good pastor friends, he says, yeah, you know, we know Pastor Daya, yet at the same time, you know, he's away from us, he's administering another part of the country. Uh, yeah, things can happen. We don't know. Uh. Right? We don't know. Even good friends, doubt, let's say, his integrity. And ultimately, uh, after five more than five, six years, uh, subsequently, all the accusations uh, did not hold water. Uh, the government did not put a single charge to his name. Uh, so he was... He wasn't even acquitted. He wasn't even charged. Huh? So, of course, the, the devastating effect was that he, during that whole period, he has to close down. The children were all taken away. Uh, he no longer runs an orphanage. So, sometimes you may wonder, huh, right, a man like that, situation like this, why did God allow it to happen? Always there is a higher purpose. There's higher purpose. There's different calling. There's different season in life. As we look into our life, right, so... What are the insights we can learn from the life of Joab today? When it comes to service, commit. What did I say? Commit wholeheartedly. Eh? When it comes to our own ambition, what do we need to do? Check periodically. Eh? We need to examine periodically. And when it comes to injustice, when we experience it, trust. Trust patiently. Eh? So let's come back to the sentence. huh? Eh? If God is all good, He would destroy evil. If God is all powerful, He could destroy evil. But evil is not destroyed. And we need to add one additional word. And what could that word be? But evil is not destroyed? Ah, the word is yet. Yet. Therefore, God can and God will destroy evil. Evil one day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for today. We thank you for your congregation that has gathered here. We thank you for the word that has gone forth. Lord, as we examine our life, as we look into our church, as we look into what you have placed in our hearts, our passion, our desire, what you have called us to do, Lord, help us to draw close to you. Help us to rekindle our relationship with Jesus, the Lord of our life. Lord, we call you our Lord. If Lord, if you are Lord, Lord, then there will be no holding back in serving you. Lord, ignite the fire we have for you once again. Help us to serve you wholeheartedly. Lord, in life, we need to also check our ambition. Yes, sometimes there are areas whereby Lord, we come into the picture, our desire, our want. And, and this may stray us at certain times. Lord, help us to move ourselves back into the straight and narrow path of following You, Lord. Help us to love You. Help us to rekindle our first love. Lord, today as we come before You, some of us may face injustice. Some of us may have issues that is unfair Lord let us trust you patiently you are our redeemer you are our advocate if God be for us who can be against us Lord your word says we are the hate and not the tear therefore we trust in you to pave the way we commit ourselves to you this morning and today you are here you feel that you know God has spoken to you you know I will not ask you to respond in any way I'll just ask for you to in your own way talk to God talk to God communicate with him he desires you he wants to draw you back to himself as you examine your own life and the stage of life you are at at this moment yes there are seasons whereby we are passionate we give all out. And yet there are seasons where, by then we can pour our life to others. We can help others. Lord, help us to know the seasons of life we are in at this moment. Help us to draw close to you.